Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? Welcome to the Ready Your Room, the only and longest running Star Trek Next Generation rewatch podcast and the only rewatch podcast hosted by TNG staff. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount, and with me is my partner, Brandon Hobbs. Brandon, how are we doing today? Well, Mitch, never been readier. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a hell of an episode today. Indeed we do. Indeed we do. Now, you tend to say... Never been readier quite often, not just on the show, but off the show as well, which makes me yeah. makes me believe your life is a constant ramping up of preparedness. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> every day that you see me, Mitch, uh-huh. that's on my best day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is it your best my day? My life be- just keeps getting better. Is it your best day because you saw me that day? Well... Well, let's uh, let's let's not do this in public, Mitch. Oh no. Okay. Well, I've had some big developments in my life recently. Oh yeah. I have two that I want to that I want to take valuable podcast time to share. Um. So, for example, one. Did you know that Starbucks has released new seasonal beverages? And uh, what would those be? There's a creme brulee latte. No, that sounds horrible. No, it's it's good. There's also a gingerbread latte, which is less good. Now that sounds awesome. No, it's the creme. You gotta get the creme brulee. Nah, nah, creme brulee is too sweet. It's a fucking latte. What do you think's in it? <laughs> Coffee and milk. That's what a latte is. Yeah, but often sugar in the 21st century. <laughs> if you're a degenerate. No, I you have to have a think, black latte. Okay. Listen, listen. If it's not black, there's milk in it. If you ordered, <laughs> if you ordered a latte, um, from from the replicator, okay. What do you think you would get? I think um, that's a good question. Because I think it would just be a little coffee cup with coffee and milk, and that's it. Well, here's here's the thing. I believe that in Star Trek, by that point, um humanity society has evolved past uh the rampant consumption of of wanton sugar so i do think that their lattes would not have sugar but in in our current time if we had a replicator now and somebody said give me a latte to it i think it would uh produce something sugared so your your argument is that given the, the the era we live in when someone says latte you should expect they're talking about a sweet kind of coffee. Yes, at least in the Western non-European world. <laughs> okay, okay. And um, um, <clears throat> I, I have no shame about this. Now, what about a cappuccino? Are those sweet? Well, a cappuccino, if I'm correct, is a shot of espresso alongside something else. Yeah, so a cappuccino is just a latte, but with foamy milk instead of regular milk. Like it is rabies? Yeah, kinda. Hmm. 
It sits on the top of the coffee, gives it some texture. Foamy at the mouth. Mm-hmm. Are well, you eating something? Yes, I was. E- I'm eating the cookie that I'm dunking into my latte. <laughs> is is that going to be part two of the news you want to share? Well, I actually have three parts news to share. Um, <laughs> part two is my my cookie, but I talked about these cookies before, but they're still. Oh, good. okay. The other news. I've been really getting into watching the World Series of Poker recently. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, inspired by by data, in fact. In fact. Um, there's a healthy love of poker is good for, for the soul. Mm-hmm. I always say. Have you been practicing your poker face? Um, well, I've been wearing a mask recently. Which helps. Wait, why? To hide my poker face. Oh, okay. You know? Just in case anybody's like, oh, what's he up to? Does he have pocket aces? Does he have cowboys? Did he forget to Mm. shave today? You know, the mask helps Mm. a lot. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a good strategy. It is, it is. But the thing is, poker um, is is a wonderful confluence of math and strategy that I that I mm-hmm. am deeply interested in. And you, you know, little little cards as well, which you love. Just I the do, shape of cards. I do. I just like holding them and kind of flicking them <laughs> against one another. <laughs> Fondling a deck of cards. Oh yeah. I do love to fondle a deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we all know the feeling. Hell yeah. So I've been enjoying that. It's currently in the main event, which is the main event of the the proceedings. <laughs> oh, oh! I, I guess that makes sense when you really think about it. It does, but it's um, it's very, very interesting. And there's a lot of discourse, Twitter discourse this year, um, about whether or not the main event, when you when you quote bust out of it, when you lose, if you should be mm-hmm. able to rebuy in with another entry. Which, um, there's pros and cons of that. If mm-hmm. if you rebuy in, that's another ten thousand dollars into the prize pool, which um, right. benefits everybody. Also, you're still only given the starting amount of of chips, which is sixty thousand, and by that mm-hmm. point, the average chip count will probably be higher than that. So you buy in at a disadvantage. Now mm-hmm. the the downside is the uh, competitive integrity of Right, Re- right. Re- re-entering a tournament that you've already lost, which I guess. Uh, uh, and would this be indefinite, <laughs> just until I think, until you decide you can't spend any more money? So the tournament runs on an, on an amount of days. Like uh, this is day one of the tournament, day two, and I think there's a cutoff on like days, okay. day something you can no longer buy in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. in my experience, it's never a good idea to re-enter after you bust. That's that is sound advice. You should join uh, Poker Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds like something I want to do with my time. Hmm, you love it. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I don't think I I, I want to uh, decrease my activity on Twitter, if really? anything. But what about the ensigns? 
well, the Hansons are one thing, but, uh, you know, I'm just, I can't, uh, I can't deal with the politics anymore, you know? I suppose, I suppose, but, you know, Twitter is, um, I love it because it helps me figure out, you know, who's, uh, who's got the wrong mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know, I, I, it's just, there's only so many times you can scroll through, um, you know, like Klingon Romulan Twitter. True. <clears throat> and, and keep your sanity. Well, you could always make a sub account, right, and then uh, curate who you follow there. I know you're really big into map Twitter, so don't want to lose mm-hmm. out on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am a big fan of maps. Do you know that maps was the name of the rabbit from Super Mario sixty four? Is that right? No, but you know. No. So that would have been. Uh... <laughs> That would have been exciting, I guess. So this week's question of the week comes from John in Chicago, who asks, Hey, Admirals, I saw you posted about an NFT drop for the Readier Room. This is on Twitter, which I know you're um, not not uh, using anymore. Yeah. Um, I love NFTs and would love to make my collection even more Readier. Could you please tell us more about the drop? Love you, John. Well, thank you, John. It's it's an exciting time, I think, mm-hmm. um, for fans both readier and ready less. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot yeah. of a lot of people have this image of NFTs as being these um, low effort, um, very very similar looking like uh, generated icons. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the uh, the little little monkey faces or whatever the monkey faces the punks the whatever crypto punks yeah 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 yeah. well yeah a lot of people do have that idea i have good news for everyone part of the readier drop is that instead of doing something like that what 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 it does we take (coughs) a screenshot um of tng and it's an ai takes a look at it and kind of you know, fucks with it in a, in a mm-hmm. generated capacity. Mm-hmm. And in that way, you own a part of TNG, but it's a special part of TNG because it's it was made right. for you. It's unique. Yeah. Right? And yeah. They, they don't all follow the same template. They don't all look the same at a glance. So, yeah. And I think, I think this is just, this is just genius really. Mm. Um, but we do have, um, you know, this, that's one line of NFTs. We're working on another. Um, we, of course, have uh, the Readier Room logo mm. uh, for purchase. Um, we are on the precipice of getting the rights for a pregnant Troy uh, figure. NFT or figure? Uh, NFT figure. It's, right. an, it's like a figure, but it's an NFT. So. Well, you know um, me. I'm still learning the lingo for this. That's going to be... That's going to be our first drop in our on our virtual figure line is Pregnant Troy, mm. uh, and I'm really excited about that. We're on OpenSea, of course. Um, mm. uh, the Ready Room, capital T, capital R, capital R. Uh, so definitely stop by. We have plenty of affordable options. We always say that and, uh, that Pregnant Troy is what you should expect when you're expecting. Mm-hmm. And that is what we say. We say that a lot. And now, as a drop, it's uh, it all comes full circle. Yep. 
Yep. No, I think I think this is gonna. This is a very limited release, the Pregnant Troy, so you're going to want to get on that immediately. Uh, I can't tell you exactly when it's dropping. It should be within the next month, but um, that's going to go fast, and it's going to it's gonna explode in price. So definitely keep an eye on it. Yeah, and you definitely want to be there when Pregnant Troy explodes. Mm-hmm. It's really, really important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think the Readier Room and NFTs were just such a natural fit for one another absolutely yeah you know we uh, we play around a lot in that space uh before we even knew about it it's uh it's just something that that came natural to us you know we get asked a lot like oh hey mitch why the nfts why can't i fund these and um you know the answer is has always been there you know the ready room mm-hmm. has always been against funging in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. It, it, it just makes sense, really. Right, right. Um, the mission statement of <clears throat> everything we're doing here, it's it just, it's its perfect. So. Good question, John. We hope you'll, we'll see you there for the first drop. Um, I'm looking forward to, uh, we're actually go, also going to make a microphone um, NFT for the sole mm-hmm. purposes of dropping the mic at the drop. Yep. Yep. So, can't wait. The future is very exciting. We have this our NFTs look forward to, and then the inevitable post-scarcity of Trek. Here's a question. What do mm. NFTs look like in a post-scarcity society? Is this like a like a punchline or No, this is a um a philosophical question. What do NFTs look like in a post-scarcity scarcity society? Yeah. Um, I guess they wouldn't exist. It does, you wouldn't need them. Is there something um, inherent to scarcity that involves funging? Well, I would say there might be something that involves non-funging. But the, the, the whole point of, um, I mean, what we've seen from Trek, uh, post-scarcity kind of devalues the idea of collecting. Indeed, because if there was not a scarcity, what would be the right. point of collecting? <laughs> right. But, well, here's, so... here's here I, I challenge this. In the episode, The Best Toys, there's that um, charlatan collector who steals data. And and, mm. o- and other rare items. Mm-hmm. So even in a post scarcity society, he's managed to um, find the scarcity. I guess that's true, but in that case, they need to be genuinely unique. You know, not found anywhere else. Well, NFTs are genuinely unique, of course. Well, yeah, but you still have like a good ten thousand of them per per drop. You know. Well, I mean, we're only gonna make one pregnant Troy. No, we're making one gold pregnant Troy. Oh, right. Right. I always get the plans confused. But that gold pregnant Troy, that would be something that that guy would collect. You know, he'd have data there. He'd have that rare caterpillar animal. And then, you know, in his NFT picture frame, a rotating gold Maybe you're right. Troy. Maybe you're right about that. But I guess the the question starts becoming, why do people collect in 
and not only in our time, but in, in a post-scarcity society, because, you know, of course, even, even Picard kind of has his books and everything, you know? Right. The, um, and he doesn't need them. The, he can access those on the computer. The Curlin Nescar. Whatever that, that MacGuffin was. Um, so I think the answer is very similar to Everest. You know, why do you climb Everest? Because it's there. Why do you collect these pregnant Troy NFTs? Because they're there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, in that case, that's good news for us. It is. Because it means that pregnant Troy will persist throughout the, the centuries. Well, once you once an NFT has been um, birthed onto the world, there's no there's no undoing that. You can't put that genie back in the bottle. Mm-hmm. And pregnant Troy is certainly something we cannot undo. Um, once that drops, it's out there. Yeah. We can we can uh, we can burn the t-shirts, but that's about it. Well, I I think I think we have a lot to look forward to here. Yeah. Yeah, the world does. I do, you do, the ensigns do. It's yeah. a, it's a bright time. It's a bright time to be ready here. It certainly is, Mitch. Certainly is. So thank you, John, for your question. Um, we hope you'll join us for that drop. And if you're like John, you want us to answer your question about anything readier or Star Trek related, you can email us at thereadierroom at gmail.com. Again, capital T, capital R, capital R. Or you can tweet us at thereadierroom or just comment on our YouTube videos and we'll see your question there. All right. Well, the only... Um, enjoyable topic of the show has been has concluded. As today, we're going to talk about um, Manhunt. Season, yeah, season, Manhunt, season two, episode twenty-one ish, twenty-two. I, I think I think we can all relate uh, to some degree of uh, the 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 one day per year that your boss brings his wife to work. Yeah, I hope those that's, feelings that's will carry through to uh, to the audience. Yeah, because uh, because that's 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 what this is. You know, there's so many ideas being thrown around and thrown away uh, for the sake of having more uh, Majel Barrett scenes. Um, which, if you asked me to to think about this episode, like the last time I watched it, I would have said, "Yeah, it was okay." Really? Yeah. I would have thought so. I've never really had an issue with with her episodes, but this one was this one was rough. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that um her episodes are in, intrinsically disagreeable, but I think the other one we watched was mildly amusing. Um Yeah, I know that one was way better. Yeah. Um but this there was something about this. There, were, it had a lot of disparate elements that just didn't really connect. Um, it had a lot of confusion-inspiring moments, and mm -hmm. um, it there was no nothing to salvage it. There was no. There was one. There was one line. There was exactly one line that I thought was funny and enjoyed. And aside from that, the entire episode was just uh, borderline miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just the ending was <laughs> the, one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, 
And the lack of ending uh, in some respects. Yes. I think both of those tied together is really what does it. How the ending was so out of left field and baffling, yet also so unsubstantial. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I think, and I, I say this every episode... But I think we definitely need to go through this one chronologically because there's just too much. <laughs> and I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss a thing. A, a great poet once once said. Because we're going to get started talking about one one of the five plot lines and then and then lose the rest of them. Well, here's uh, when. Yeah, it, it is the, the linear nature of this show that uh, makes it so amazing that they stuffed all these things into one episode and just failed to make something that was entertaining at all. Now, that's it's an interesting challenge because with so many disparate elements, how do we remember the chronological order of them? You know? Well, there's 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 a certain flow. There's a certain flow to it, I suppose, where it makes sense up until halfway through and then it kind of jumbles itself up. I mean, it kind of makes sense. So no, it totally makes sense. I find the introduction totally of Luxwana into the episode at all to be, uh, oh yeah, I suppose so. I mean, a little ham-fisted. As I mean, I guess as that character is want want to be exactly yes, yeah. That's that's kind of the, I guess the whole point of that character. So, you know, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dock points for that. I don't think. Yeah, I guess that's fine. But that aside, um I guess I guess we can go through it. So the Enterprise is starting off and uh they good lord, I am already just so far behind. What what happens? What is the, what is the start of this episode? They're talking about ambassadors? Yeah, so they're inviting the um <clears throat> the Antedians. That's that is them. Onto the ship, um, which actually they were a last minute inclusion in this episode, funny enough. Uh, I mean, which I guess sort of explains why they don't do anything mm. and, and we kind of have to force something out of them at the very end. Um, cause we had, we had Mick Fleetwood right on the set here, which uh, you would hope would <clears throat> give a little something to the episode. You, yeah, you would think so, but um, well, it, he was he was such a a negative presence on the set uh, for several episodes. He'd kind of taken to just hanging around um, mm. for for the most recent set of episodes we were doing, um, and I don't even know how he got in there. He just kind of appeared one day and wouldn't leave. Right. Um, and he'd go around with the cast and crew. Um, he was really obsessed with, with like the, the Star Trek tech, like in Canon, right? The Star, tech. um, the, st- the, the, the Trek tech, Trek tech, Trek tech, Trek tech. And, uh, he, he, he just, he just go around all day, just trying to talk shop with everyone. Um, and he, he was particularly obsessed with the transporter. Mm. Uh, he'd always go on about the uh, the uh, like the electrically inveterate properties, or whatever. It was and a so very strange thing to say. Yeah, um, a little odd. I'm still not sure what it meant, but 
uh, Rick, I think, offered to give him kind of a bit part um, on the condition that he would just, you know, please go home um, and stop kind of interrupting production. Um, and thankfully, he took it. Um, Mick took it on the condition that his character could could use the transporter. He was very adamant about that. Um, he wanted to be beamed up or down. It didn't matter which. Um, he so he got beamed. beamed. He was beamed aboard. He was beamed aboard. Yeah, I guess he was kind of beamed laterally. If you really think about it, indeed. Uh, so maybe he got played. Um, but yes, this this was the 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 impetus for the creation of the Antedians. We just needed something that wouldn't get in the way of the rest of the plot, and uh, indeed, it did not. Um, it, it it had no bearing on. Any, any of the rest of the episode. Um, one thing that bothers me about about this introduction to this species is that Picard goes to greet them when they get beamed aboard, right? Yeah, and he's wearing his uh, his finest. Yep. And yet he knows that they will not be awake. <laughs> I didn't really put you that together, I mean? but I do know yep. what you mean. That's that is hilarious. He knows they're not going to be awake. Why bother? It's nuts. Well. Hmm. This is begging more questions than I'm comfortable with. <laughs> it's almost like he knows that, you know, Luxwan is eventually going to show up anyway, so might as well just be ready to do something. Uh, I think maybe. By, I think, by the way, I, um,. I put together why, uh, or rather how, Mick Fleetwood got onto the set. Oh, really? Yeah, so, you know, security's there, they're the gatekeepers, literally, there's a gate and they kept it. And um, very often, whenever Colm showed up, they'd get the, the direction, oh, let that Mick in. And uh, Oh! Yeah, you can see how they would get Oh, confused. man. Yeah, that's a tough one. Okay. That makes that makes a lot of sense, right? So wow. I can't blame them. I don't want to blame them. They're good guys, but they were maybe they're not good guys anymore. I haven't, you know, I don't. I don't talk security it's, these it's days. It's been a while, right? <laughs> we we don't associate with people like that, but <clears throat> dirty, dirty, right? Sec security people. Yeah, it's kind of below us at this mm -hmm. point, but um, I hope they're doing well. They could be doing whatever. Um, so, Picard knows everything about the Antedians' proclivities, and yet uh, still expects them to be up and up and at them. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Weird. Um, Worf finds them a handsome race. That was the best line in the episode. I I found that to be extremely funny. Did you like that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it alone is funny, but Michael Dorn's delivery of that line was also. Yeah pretty funny as as usual yes yeah and uh, um it's i don't know it's it's cool and it also does a little bit a little bit of uh world building world fleshing out mm -hmm. to have yeah the klingon have a completely different read of the situation than the humans do as, yeah as i think would. so too yeah <laughs> right yeah i i don't disagree oh the only thing that i kind of take umbrage with is that um you know uh, we, you and I, uh, are perfectly capable of finding Klingons attractive, so it doesn't um, doesn't really jive with me that that the Klingon would think the fish person's attractive because they're more humanoid than fish. Well, I think that it goes in a bit of a circle. 
Ah. So, the humans would find the Klingons attractive, who in turn find the fish attractive, who in turn find the Romulans attractive, whatever. It's and like it's like Pokemon types. Exactly. Yeah. Or rock, paper, scissors, if you're familiar with that game. Mm-hmm. Although I think I think most people would be more familiar with Pokemon. Oh, well, when they go, Pokemon go and catch Pokemon creatures. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, which, you know, in that case, they should have been fetching a pail of water. Indeed. Indeed. Now, Luxana eventually comes aboard and... <sighs> Do we have to? <laughs> Let's go through this chronologically. No, don't, don't. We can't talk about the second <laughs> event of the episode. Um, and so, yeah, so she she comes aboard and she's uh, is 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 this is this where uh, this is the only time Picard's wearing his admiral uniform, right? In the episode, yeah, um, yeah, it's him and Riker, and there's a kind of a strange exchange where um, an exchange where Luxwana. Uh, goes and outwardly compliments the the legs of the men as the formal attire apparently shows them off. Oh yeah, yeah, there was that. And you would because and the camera cuts to the legs to show this just to make sure the audience knows what <laughs> legs are. But right. but um, when you look, you notice that the uh, the uh, formal attire cuts off at about the knee. It doesn't show much leg. Right. And you know. Originally, there was a different line instead of saying, "Oh, you got nice legs." Um, Luxana would say something to the effect of, "Oh, Captain, nice calves," and that was all well and good. But test audiences for the episode were very confused that there were no baby cows in the scene. Right, right. So um, we ended up changing the line. Understandably so. Um, I mean, I I had never heard that phrase before myself. Um, at least, at least before we 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 started shooting. So. Um, yeah, I was right there with them. Right, and you gotta, you can't set audience expectation to be one thing and then not follow through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, what what we could have done mm-hmm. was get a few calves and just pepper them across the the ship. Yeah. Um, and kind of had that that be applied. You know, take the Antedians out of it. Just get some calves, throw them. You know, one in the ready room, one in the meeting room, one in the teleporter room, couple in the hallways, the corridors. Well, how about this? Um, how about this? The Antedians don't really do much. Have the Antedians be calves. Like, oh, oh, we're beaming the Antedians aboard and it's just some baby cows. I think that would be really That's special. a good idea. That's a really good idea. And then it kind of would have all fit together that way. Right? You know, they beam on board. Loxana comes on. She says, oh, nice calves. Um... <laughs> And then, damn, yeah. we just we we just really make such a good episode all by ourselves somehow. <laughs> I I well and um, truly love it. So I think I think we we see we see Troy next, right? And right, she 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 comes to the teleporter room. I, am I wrong? Are you wrong? I probably not. Troy is wherever Luxwan is. Troy is not far behind. Yeah, yeah. Troy, Troy, uh, Troy has to come. Um, greet her or whatever and i just want to say she's looking particularly unattractive this episode yeah i noticed that i'm surprised that you i guess i'm not surprised you picked up on that but i am i also noticed that i don't i don't have an explanation other than well 
Do you? So it's it's by design, really. Uh, Majel was really concerned about being juxtaposed against uh, Marina um, after last episode that they were they were on together. I guess she had she had seen it and not been very happy with it. You know, particularly with the the differences in I guess you might say attractiveness. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Marina's much younger. So what we did was we had makeup just make Marina look like complete shit. I never and, heard about uh, this. Yeah, it's kind of assuaged Majel's concerns, which was, of course, the most important thing about this episode was making Majel happy um, and not, you know, uh, producing um, interesting television or um, or worthwhile writing content. a good story. Yeah. Um, so that's that's why that happened. And yes, it's very obvious, isn't it? It's it's very very like it's it's uncomfortable. She looks strung out. Yeah, she does. <laughs> She's not even pregnant. Not yet. We'll see not the best. <laughs> <laughs> so they they take them. They take Luxana to Luxwana. How do I don't even know how to say this name? There's a W. Lux- Luxwana. Is it Luxwana or Luxana? Lu- hmm. Because I think it's spelled Luxana, but I think they say Luxwana. I think it's L W X, right? Yeah. L W A X. L no Luxwana Troy, I'm I'm turning to the internet. L you're right. L W A X. Here's the thing, the subtitles on Netflix have this incorrect. Oh, interesting. All right now, how <laughs> to pronounce? Um, the first suggestion is water, which is interesting. Luxana Luxana Lu- how to pronounce Luxwana Troy in English? Live. On the readier room. Can you hear this? No, I can't. Oh, well. I, I'm the pronunciation guides I'm finding don't even agree with each other. So that will remain forever a mystery. We'll we'll have to pay attention next episode. Yeah. We'll have to pay attention to the episode next time. <laughs> Um, to figure out how to pronounce her name. But I guess I'll just say Luxwana. It's easier to say. I, it's really hard. They, Whenever there's a, a Luxwana Troy episode at my, and I watch it, my vision just turns red and I can't <laughs> comprehend what's going on and I kind of space out for an hour. <laughs> yes, exactly. That might be our biggest problem. Um, they take her to, to her guest room. And I, I have to say, we've seen this room several times at this point Mm. um but it never ceases to amaze me just how much i love it really i love i love the enterprise guest rooms i'm they're just so comfy elaborate on this well i don't know it's just it it seems like a nice place to spend your time just sitting on the on the couch watching the space the stars fly by you and it's got a very pleasing color palette Mm mm-hmm um, you know, you could get get some some synthahol kickback. Just, I suppose. I, don't know. I, I just think it's really nice. I like I like the design. I like the set design. I and that's the one thing I love about TNG in general. It's just I love the set design. I, I guess I mean it, it's reminiscent of a nice hotel room. And when you factor, yeah, and, and maybe maybe that's that's the thing. I just I like I like getting away from my problems by uh, living in hotel rooms. No, I feel this, but. Um, when you take a nice hotel room and change the view of whatever to space, um, yeah. you know, there's a lot to like there. 
I can buy yeah. this. <laughs> I mean, I think aesthetically, it's it's foreign enough to be intriguing, mm. but familiar enough to be comfortable, and that's why I like it. I and, buy this. Uh, I, I I really love the 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 whole set design of of the Enterprise D. It's just so good. Um, and it's but enough positivity. <laughs> I was gonna say it's consistent <laughs> too. Um, it is, yeah. Over the series, it 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 remains quite nice. Um, right. Now that we're talking set design, there's that episode where Worf jumps between timelines, and on that episode, he goes to different timelines iterations of the enterprise d and a lot of the sets like the bridge are subtly different in mm -hmm. in kind of interesting ways and if you really like the set design there i recommend watching that episode again and uh paying special attention to that because you might not remember no i honestly don't <laughs> i don't remember most episodes you bring up bitch <laughs> that's okay I know that by, you know, season seven, which this episode... I had kind of checked out by season six or seven. Yeah, you were very into um, some recreational activities by then. Yeah, well, let's, let's just leave it at that. Um, I'll figure out how I want to broach that topic once we get to that that uh, that time in the podcast. But yes, that is that is why I kind of stopped watching the show on TV so much. I'd catch a few here and there, but... Well, they say that when, um, I forget what album it was, but it might have been Let's, Let's Dance, it might have been Station to Station, but when Bowie was recording it, he was doing so much cocaine that he has no recollection of, of making that album. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, yeah, uh, and that's, um, that's not to say that I was doing cocaine. Okay. But... I, I, I didn't say anything. Just, I was doing something. I was doing my job, and a lot of it. <laughs> well, you know, you get you get uh, absorbed into the lifestyle. By that point, we'd kind of become a fixture in the industry. Certainly, you know, certainly our own brand of rock stardom. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes you make a, a prolonged series of bad decisions. Hmm. Yeah, you ever um, you ever feel that way where your life is just a um a, a a slow motion spiral of consistently bad decisions that you just watch unfold with no real power over? Yeah, well, I mean, we did work on TNG. That's just true, and we're still dealing with the fallout of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what we got to do to make a living now? Our life is just TNG serfdom. Mm, that's like Mark Hamill with Luke Skywalker. Right. You know? I'm sorry, who? Mark Hamill. Oh, I thought you said Mark Hamill. No, no, Mark Hamill. I see, I see. Not not a camel that's marred in some problem. No, 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 no. I no. see. Okay. Um, so when in that scene when Luxlana's guest room, uh, she invites Picard back for what is possibly the most awkward um uh, scene of TNG at least in a very long time. Um, did you did you did you dislike it? I didn't like that whole plot line of Luxwana being so impossibly horny to contain. <laughs> um, 
I aside from just making me generally uncomfortable, it uh, was not very compelling. It's not compelling. It's not convincing. No. That's for sure. Um, no, it is not. You, you you have a beautiful man like like Patrick Stewart on the other side of the table from from Majel Barrett, and uh, it's just it's such a farce. She's a very handsome woman. She's a very handsome woman. Um, you know, you already have you already have um, Pulaski, who even with all the the weird prosthetics and makeup to make her look old, she she kind of mugs Majel. That was handily. That was pretty funny. I'll have to admit that that small exchange. Oh wait, we're thinking of different things, but I know what you're saying. But my mind. <laughs> when you mentioned Pulaski, my mind jumped to the exchange of Troy and Pulaski in the hallway when Picard's in in the room, and oh. and um, Troy's like Pulaski, help! My mom's about to jump fucking Captain's bones here, and Pulaski's like, yeah, well, it'll, it'll be good to get him some exercise. <laughs> um. I I love Pulaski. I don't know what I'm going to do without her. We only have a little bit a of Pulaski episodes. time left, yeah. It's really sad. But anyway, um, I, I digress. Let's get back to the dinner scene, because this is kind of the pivotal scene of the episode, really. Right, and this is the, sadly pivot- enough. the pivotal moment of the pivotal scene was the, um, the, the forks that they used. You probably didn't notice mm. this. Did you? Did you pick this up? You pick this up? I... <laughs> <laughs> I noticed... This time, for the first time, there's something different about them. Yeah. So, to describe what the fuck I'm talking about here, instead of using a normal fork, they're using these space forks, which have three prongs, but one of them is vertically misaligned from the other two, which is mm-hmm. a very unique kind of fork. This is intentional. Um, the prop master took this as a opportunity for world building, you know, we kind of posed him the question of what does a fork look like in space? And uh, that was too interesting for him to pass up. Um, I think in TNG, the world building, a lot of the smaller details take center stage and do the heavier lifting. Because um, mm-hmm. now as an audience, watching a post-scarcity society, free of prejudice, uh, we know what that world's forks are like. Um, that, that misalignment that I mentioned probably carries some special meaning to it. And, you know, we talking to the prop master, he had his vision in mind, what that meaning is, but I think it's better and it works better when you guys in the audience derive that meaning for yourself rather than us spilling the beans. Um, it's part of Trek's appeal in a lot of ways, seeing something, absorbing it analyzing it and drawing conclusions logical conclusions for the world that flesh out uh everything if it's more prescriptive this means this that means that then um there's it's less interesting there's less room for audience participation and it's just less uh less fun for everyone involved yeah and uh you know in cases like that that's when you kind of develop a a sort of wikipedia um uh, kind of tone for your series right where uh fan involvement is it kind of hinges on um just just obsessive memorization of stupid facts right you can either have it, it's either so wikipedia star wars is a spelling bee 
Star Trek is more of a debate competition. Mm -hmm. That's my uh, memory alpha. Memory alpha. Ah, I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. Is more of a. Uh, it's the the Star Trek wiki. Ah, are we on there? We should be. Oh, we can make our own page later if we're not. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we contributed to the Trek Uber Uber. Right, Uber. right. The the the, the Uber. <laughs> Right. So we we deserve a spot. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Oh, we'll check it out. We'll check it out after the podcast. Yeah. Make sure that we're represented in a positive light. How, how did you feel about the resolution of this dinner scene with Data? Um, there was a line from Picard where he says, uh, Data, later. He says that in every episode. <laughs> I, I appreciate the rhyming. Oh, I see. Um, I see. We should we should have we should have taken it a little further and and rhymed some more words. We should have so, had so Patrick could have said data later. Skater. Skater. Should have had Picard devolve into a rap. Okay, so so here's the thing. Shouldn't Lux want to know that Picard is just using Data as a um, as a as a distraction, as a get out of this scene? She should, she should, but I can buy that she's so horny she doesn't really recognize that. Perhaps I can buy it. I, I'm not happy with it, or really like uh, okay with it, but I can buy it. I don't know. If I, I can um, buy it. I, I thought it was I thought it was funny enough. I don't know. It was okay. Sure. Um, I mean, I liked I liked that data thing. I thought that was funny. Um, how it, a data is just complete uh, unawareness of how he's coming off, but also just the whole situation, um, especially Picard introducing it as after dinner conversation, which was kind of cute. Um, it's, it's, I appreciate the the kind of. Um, well, cause you know, most of Picard and Data's interactions are, uh, much to our chagrin, um, they, they, they end with, uh, Data kind of listing off, uh, a set of, um, a facts, a set of facts in like the, an inappropriate moment and, and Picard getting fed up with it. It's, it's funny to, to see Picard, um, bring Data to someone else specifically for the purpose of him doing that to them. What's underlying this that's kind of funny is that this whole problem stems from the fact that Luxwana has this ambassador status. And, um, Picard, that is funny. Picard just being so tied by that that he can't just say, you know, get away from me, you ugly old bag. Right. <laughs> well, her ambassador status is being married to Jean. <laughs> Yeah, we tried to get that that line into the scripts just as a form of revenge, but <laughs> that didn't fly. And we tried to get that status revoked at several points. Right, didn't work. I remember. I remember. She'd always say, "You know, I have this ambassador status. I'm Jean's wife. You know, mm -hmm. I can kill somebody, and they couldn't convict me." Right. Which right. I which 
I think she was confusing with um, Lethal Weapon 2. But Well, you will remember she did follow through on that in a couple seasons. Oh, no. Um, which it was a complete disaster, but we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, now is probably not the time. It would spoil the episode. So Rest in peace. Yeah. Uh... Recreate Scott right. and um, punch him. So, so um, uh, a little embarrassing bit of trivia about that dinner scene. Mm-hmm. Um, for I think for us, for the entire crew, is that the uh, the Betazoid food gong is actually a replica, and it was not the original article. Yeah, nobody nobody thought that we would need it ever again. Yeah, um, yeah, we were all kind of taken aback by by the fact that we had to do another. Luxwana episode, so um, I don't know what happened to the gong. We couldn't find it, um, and we had to kind of just we had to make a new one. Uh, but you can tell the the sound of it is distinctively tinnier, mm. um, a lot higher pitched and grating. And if we're talking from a cannon perspective, much quieter um, than a cannon. But it's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yep. If we're talking from a canon perspective, uh, it's not it's not a food gong that a you know like a wealthy Betazoid of some kind of standing would ever use, and I think this has kind of become an issue among fans this this particular scene because of that. And I do want the ensigns to know that um, there were many of us who, who brought this issue up during filming and as usual you know we were kind of silenced and and not really paid attention to but i we understand your frustration it was funny because we made tactically the same mistake we made the first time after this episode we said well there's no way she'll come back a third time and we threw out this comment too yeah 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 we did we did (laughs) it was it was more um uh it was more ritualistic than that, though. We threw it out uh, in in an attempt to kind of coerce the universe to not letting her come back to set, uh, and it did not work. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like burning an effigy. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was, yeah. Yep. Um, I, I, will, I will always maintain that TNG has had bad moments. But the absolute nadir of the series is the Luxwana Troy Wharf Sun focus episode. <laughs> oh man, that's gonna be a good one. <laughs> oh, so um, this 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 dinner scene, this dinner scene, this dinner scene. This dinner scene. Can you can you say anything good about it? Um, it ends eventually. <laughs> no, I, I always yeah yeah go ahead. Well, go ahead. it's it's just dripping in old woman juices, and I really <laughs> I just don't find anything intriguing about that. I get that this is a more lighthearted episode, and Picard being in this awkward dinner. Is, is like a slightly humorous situation and the data resolu- yeah. the data resolution I said I liked so I guess I would say that's a that's a good point of it um but this is just so far away from 
why I watch TNG or what makes TNG compelling. <laughs> Just Trek it all, really. Yeah. Uh, it's barely a Trek episode. Yes, I, I I agree. But it's it's like if if um a Doctor Crusher, you know, the episode opens and she's talking to Riker, and she's like, "Oh, Commander, my in-laws are visiting, and we never got <laughs> along." And, then they show up and it's just 40 minutes of that. <laughs> I think there's room for character development um, uh, independent of having some kind of sci-fi, hard science, technological crisis or sure. something. I think, um, I think a lot of um, a lot of that usually comes in more interesting situations than something that we'll normally get in real life um for example uh a lot of that usually centers around data or centers around a character's unique past um i think Jordy is another good example sometimes episodes focusing on um him have very human elements with a slight slight sci-fi bent there's one where he is seeing visions of his mother through his visor, his dead mother, mm. and coming to terms with that, which kind of has a sci-fi bent to it, but is also a very real human emotion. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. I, 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 I get what you mean there. Um, I don't think, I guess my whole point is, I mean, regardless of how bad this episode is, I think something like it could be done well. Hmm. Uh Again, even without that 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 sci-fi bent to it, really. And, and in some respects, less sci-fi would have been good insofar as cutting the holodeck stuff, which we'll get to. <laughs> well, um, why don't why don't we get to that? But before um, that, I just want to point out: I just realized that Jordy isn't in this episode at all. He's not in this episode. No, no, he was um, busy doing reading Rainbow. Right. He was taking a look in that book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what he As always, always want to do. Right. I remember we would kind of roast him on set about that. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of gay. Right. You know, it was kind of a gay show to do. We let him know. Um, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, we definitely let him know. So what, what is the <laughs> impetus of Picard going to the holodeck? Is it just... So listen, listen. Okay. There's the scene in the, in the ready room, in okay. the ready room, that is just disgusting. It's, it's heinous. Where it's Picard, Troy, and Riker. And Troy and Riker are explaining um, the, like, the beta soy, like, menopause to, to Picard. Okay. Do you remember this? I don't, actually. I think I might have just read it out again. <laughs> Riker, Riker and Troy are sitting on the couch next to each other, and Riker is like, Oh, Deanna told me about this when we started seeing each other. She warned me about this. You know, when when Betazoid women uh, get to a certain age, they just become incredibly horny. Oh no! You don't remember this? <laughs> I it's don't such remember a this. terrible scene. It's so bad. I must have blocked it for my own self-preservation. <laughs> it's fucking awful. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. But <laughs> I don't want to beleaguer it too much. So, so um, what does Picard say? Oh, that's nice. I'm going to go beat Dixon Hill for a bit. Well, yeah, so I don't know. He says, like, oh, there must be some <laughs> kind of way we can let her down easy on this. Um, 
And I'm not exactly sure when he decides to go be Dixon Hill, but obviously that is the impetus, yeah, just to get away from... It might be something Troy says to him. Like, you know, I don't know, or Riker, one of them. One of them. Maybe one of them says something, you know, like, maybe you make yourself scarce. Uh, you know. Well, the holodeck stuff opens <clears throat> in an astounding marathon of complete nonsense. That's the same uh-huh. thing over and over. It's like three or four minutes of Picard being Dixon Hill, something happening, and him saying, no, computer, not this. And then, <laughs> then the computer makes him no, not this. And finally, the computer just gets fed up and says, look, man, I can only make things from the Dixon Hill books. What do you want? <laughs> it's, like, it's like an old man trying to use a computer. <laughs> it is an old man trying to use a computer. What the hell I'm talking about? I, I thought all of that was just a... Com- I mean... Even more so than all of the holodeck stuff. I thought that was a complete waste of time. It was absolutely a waste of time. Um, oof. Um, I have a line here, and this is only slightly off topic, and then we can kind of readjust, but um, I noted uh, there is a weird pronunciation of the term bosom buddies. Oh, I don't I don't know this. What did they say? I don't know. I, I, I don't remember why I wrote that, but they, they, there was a weird pronunciation of the term bosom buddies. Which Maybe has like we, bo- yeah. bosom buddies. Well, I was going to say, as we all know, it was a reference to the Tom Hanks sitcom at the time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. Jesus Christ. I kind of. Oh man, I want to rewatch the episode to find this bosom buddies. But <laughs> should we just sit here for the next ten minutes, just scrubbing through the episode to, to find it? I, for my own well-being, physical well-being, I will think I can go back. <laughs> I, like I, I just see Lux Juan and Troy, and I, and I wake up. 10 minutes later and there's a hole in my TV. <laughs> well, I was banking on you remembering what the context of that was, but if you don't, whatever. It's not a big deal. Well, if you're um, if you're watching this and you haven't watched that, then go watch that just to find the bosom buddies and leave a comment with the pronunciation <laughs> of bosom buddies. <laughs> But uh, why? If Picard, this is where the episode becomes a blur. Yeah, if Picard wanted a leisurely Dixon Hill thing, why would he be Dixon Hill? Why would he say? Yeah, why not? Why not just go ride a horse? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's ridiculous. It's so. And <laughs> Picard like suddenly becomes a complete moron about all this too. Usually he he's in Dixon Hill and he's like, "Yep, I'm having fun. I'm role playing. You know, whatever. I right. know this." <clears throat> and this time he's like, "Oh." Uh, I'm, I'm Dix. Uh, oh, yes, yes let's smoke cigarettes. Um, just... <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the, the usual, um, that would be scotch? Yeah, okay. Like, right, 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 right. Why? Yeah, he just what? has no idea what the background of this character he loves so much is, suddenly. Um, this, this episode, and I mean, I think we've all kind of figured this out for ourselves in one way or another, um, this is obviously a, a, a sequel to um, two Tracy Torme episodes, one of which was the original Dixon Hill episode, but it was heavily rewritten by Maurice. Heavily. Very heavily. So any holodeck stuff that had like even the slightest chance of being good was basically just fucked from the start. I, I have no doubt in my mind that this was hobbled in one way or another. Yeah. It's unto itself, 
it doesn't make much sense and inside of this episode in particular it makes even uh even less sense yeah yeah um i um i'm like i'm struggling to remember even so there's actually a very small amount of the holodeck stuff right he's he's in his office and he goes to the bar and that's it right yeah but insofar as the the amount of events small small amount however um they take up what seems like an inordinate amount of time <laughs> well i think it is a lot of a lot of it is that um that scene you were talking about where picard's just restarting the simulation over and over again yeah the scene in the bar though also doesn't really accomplish anything no no um no the the it's the whole point of being in the bar was for a funny scene with Luxana who thinks that the AI is a person. Again, awesome. we have another person being amazed by the holodeck. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I remembered your your umbrage taken with this concept, and and um, <laughs> I I had trouble with that for a few reasons. One, obviously, people should know what a holodeck is, and mm -hmm. Luxana should be aware that. This isn't a real 1940s, 20s bar <laughs> that's that's inside of the Enterprise. Right, right. So, uh, but also the fact that <laughs> they don't even deign to tell her until, you know, hours go by after the whole, this episode rested on the fact that the, the need to respect an ambassador tied their hands in this social situation. And mm. that now they're more or less playing a prank on her collectively. Just, right right just ridiculous and then she's just like oh whatever all right i guess i guess i was silly yeah uh she's it's just so stupid um the <clears throat> we're 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 kind of we get like a like a carrot dangled in front of our face our collective face with uh this this plot line involving a guy named jimmy kuzo yeah yeah uh-huh who is supposed to enter the bar um while picard is there and that's why picard can't leave because the bartender can't face him alone of course like dixon hill needs to be there right and you can't pause this simulation right right um and so you know the ensigns may be wondering why did we never actually get to see jimmy kuzo so anyway um Back on the Enterprise proper. Mm -hmm. Well, the holodeck's on the Enterprise. Yeah, but it's kind of like a different, um, a different world, so to speak, mm. right? It's not the, it's not a nineteen twenties bar and grill. Right. Uh, you have Luxana, Luxwana, look. You have Troy's mom, um, going back and forth between guys now because she can't find Picard. Right, and. Riker takes takes this very well. It seems um, <laughs> it's it should be apparent to anybody like where her announcement she makes a, a wedding announcement where that's going, mm -hmm. and Riker just sits there for the for the duration of it, um, and then has this look on his face like oh, oh. <laughs> Now at this point, it's really starting to bother me. Riker's stupid swagger walk. Anytime, 
anytime he enters or exits the frame is always yep. with this same exact walk. And yep. when, it, when shot from different angles, it looks more or less ridiculous. And in this scene, the angle it's shot from, a lower <laughs> angle from the, the side, maybe three quarters, it, it looks terrible i don't know i know why exactly he did what you're this. talking about too well uh, frank's had a very limited range <laughs> yeah but i mean for that, most people that's how you emote not how you that was walk. the only way he knew how to walk <laughs> <laughs> they, they told him he, they, they told him he had to be like a cool mm. you know ladies man and that's that's what his idea of that was i guess they don't teach you how to how to walk in acting school they, 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 they didn't teach him how to walk in his Pua classes. Do you think his parents taught him how to walk, or did he just pick it up on his own? <laughs> well, he, he, got, he got there uh, uh, to some degree. It's almost human. <laughs> it, it, it looks like somebody trying to be human. Like, oh, I'm doing the human walk. That's, that's um, all of Frakes' acting. Oh, baby. Which, which, to be fair, I find charming. So Yeah, I mean, I'll, Frakes is Frakes. Um, that, that much is, is certain, but watching two seasons of TNG once a week, is, um, it's really starting to weigh, to weigh heavily on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. So um, the, you, should, you, should, you should cut back your TNG time. Yeah. Well, all right. I'll, I'll be on half of the episodes of the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, I I know, Mitch, you love watching TNG, not just for the podcast, but in your free time. That's true. You caught me red-handed. I, I know that it is such an important part of your life, and maybe it's time for you to start watching Voyager or Deep Space Nine. You shut the fuck up. Or Farscape. No. I, well, you... Or Stargate SG-1. You're such a Farscape proselytizer and i i refuse to be taken Farscape in. is really good what's good about it it's um well it's it's very much like the anti-trek well you sold me already um the 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 whole conceit of the show is that the crew hates each other oh so um and for the time it had pretty good special effects actually it has uh jim henson muppets which are done really well okay um it's it's you know it's got that kind of like uh early 2000s sort of edge to it now which is was this was this the inspiration show. for netscape is that like an internet browser yeah you remember netscape i, I vaguely remember netscape or is there a connection yeah i i i mean i guess there must be they both have scape in the name it's true it's true. I, I, you know, whoever made Netscape must have watched Farscape and said, "You know, I need, I need this show in internet browser form." And while you're on Netscape, you can play RuneScape. Right, right. Uh, which was also kind of part of the uh, the trilogy, so right. to speak. Well, it's more of a quadrilogy now that uh, the company Manscape exists, which uh, we're currently in the talks for a sponsorship deal. Right, right. Um, shave your balls and all that. Right. Um, look forward to that instance. That's going to be the the collaboration of the century. Mm. Now, if you go one further, what is the word for that? A quintilogy? 
Yeah, I suppose so. And what's beyond that? Sextilogy? Sextilogy? Ah. Uh, it sounds like uh... <laughs> you just want you just wanted to say sex. <laughs> we are talking about freaks. <laughs> is that is that the topic we're still on? <laughs> I hadn't noticed. Uh, so anything else about Frakes before we move on? <laughs> I think Frakes, Jonathan Frakes, is very into sextilogies. Probably. I'm sure he is. Frakes coffee cakes. You ever eat those? They're pretty good. So I'm sure they are. After Luxlana feels up Riker, then Riker goes to interrupt Picard in the bar. Right. And um, Data comes along with him. Data, for no reason, is dressed in period attire. This Nothing comes of this. And I can only imagine... Oh, but it's just, it's just like a cute character quirk. It is. It is, but it's just so vexing. It is, because Riker isn't kind of, like, uh, singled out for looking weird. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, that bothered me, too. And it's... I think it's just so exemplary of the pointlessness of this entire scene. Mm -hmm. And they, yeah, they go I there. Agree. Nothing really happens. Lakana just shows up and starts hitting on the fake bartender. And then everybody just says, look at her go. Scene ends. Lakana's <laughs> problem is solved. And the episode ends, and then she, you know, then, then she stops an interplanetary conspiracy. We're, we're we're supposed to believe that even a fake bartender would want to have sex with Luxana Troy. Ugh. Um, ugh. there's there's an interesting scene uh, back on the Enterprise, um, where Wesley says to Worf, "You're handsome for a Klingon." I don't know if he said it as breathy as as that well it was supposed to be yeah um, as such we had to we had to cut a whole uh wesley wharf romance subplot in this episode just to fit more mage l scenes in it of course mm. um which i guess ended up being for the best because we, we couldn't really come up with a proper portmanteau for these characters when when two you names start sense. start with the same letter portmanteaus are right. quite difficult because we had data and wharf is dwarf right of course um, Riker Troy is Roy. Roy, um, uh, well, we Picard have... Crusher is Pusher, right? Obviously, and that's most of the major couplings. Didn't we have a uh, Jordy? A Jordy? Jordy? Hey, Nami, we didn't. Well, it was Jordy and um. <laughs> oh God, what is that woman's name? There was the one oh who... the one the 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 hologram one yeah I don't remember her name but... I don't remember her either she was even in the um the the mirror universe comic fucking a should I open the mirror universe comic and find out what her name was well you know you want to yeah hold on one second one oh, second live on the readier room comic book investigations now. The the vexing thing here is that in the mirror universe, Jordy and this woman lived during the same time period. No, so I'm not sure how that. Yeah, I don't really get this. Well, I think she was prematurely killed, maybe. Oh, really? Oh, maybe. No, that that's that still wouldn't make sense because she was very clearly an adult. 
Um, well, I mean, just because somebody's an adult doesn't mean it was their time to die. Yeah, but she's still really young in, in this mirror universe. Um, what is this? L Leia? Le is it Leah? Leia? Right, right, right. Right, because we always said Lordy. <laughs> I think we said that for different reasons. Um, and, and with, with a, a different sort of uh, accent. Well, that's a story for another time. Um, so we, we've come to the end of this episode, which is... Which I'm going to go out on, on a limb and say is the worst part of the episode. Yeah, I was going to say, it might be surprising uh, that, that we would consider it as such, but it has to be. Um, because the Anti Antidians wake up. Yep. And they do, um, they do, well, they, they feast first. First they feast. They feast. <laughs> they eat their disgusting fish. Yeah. So they, we made a point to introduce called, something called vernicula, which is the, yeah. the Antidians food that they brought to eat. And it's like this disgusting looking briny fish parts thing. Kind of, mm -hmm. kind of looks like chum. You know, we got our fishmonger oh. on on retainer, and you know, he really had, really outdid himself here. He procured two hundred pounds of rotten mackerel, which filled that entire barrel. You see, and um, the Antidians had the direction is like swarm around it and push it into the mask. <laughs> oh, it was very very authentic, um, which added a lot to the scene. Now, a lot of takes were ruined by you know members of the cast gagging audibly yeah but yeah. That, that's just the price of doing business i think you can't have a authentic looking vernicula without breaking a few eggs that's what i always say uh, mick seemed to enjoy it at least yeah <laughs> that was uh and you know maybe that is kind of coloring our perception of the end of this episode i still can't get the smell out of my nose uh after all these years i remember it I was thoroughly disgusting i threw <clears throat> out the clothes i was wearing that day Oh, I mean, you had to. It's just it, you, you. You remember we tried to wash that smell out for weeks. Yeah, I remember Frakes um, between takes one time. He took like a handful of it, which was really just brave on his part, and just hurled it at Michael. Just and he couldn't dodge it; he didn't see it coming. <laughs> it was an amazing prank. I don't remember that, but that sounds very Frakes like. That sounds very Frakes between takes like. It was a real um, Frakesian move. <laughs> so here's where I take proper umbrage with this final scene. Um, and, you know, let me pull up the script. We do need to get this exactly right. Transporter room. Loxana, why are they still here? Riker, we thought that since you're going to the same conference, you might like to beam down with the other delegates. Loxana, they're not delegates. Those two are assassins. Antedian, that is an outrage. Lies. We demand you transport at once. Loxana, don't bother to deny it. Your minds are uns so unsophisticated I can read your thoughts in my sleep. Their robes are lined with ultridium, 
highly explosive, virtually undetectable by your transporter. Data. She is correct, sir. I am detecting large <laughs> amounts of ultridium. I think the word virtually is doing a lot of heavy lifting in this script. So how undetectable is this, really? <laughs> Wait, and, and this is like within like a split second, too. Oh, like yeah. Data must have already been trying to detect something to have that response time. I wasn't going to ha hammer on this specifically, but you're right. This is properly <laughs> ridiculous. I, when I saw this scene, it, it this was the biggest um, boss's wife <laughs> vibe in the entire episode. <laughs> it's like, oh, and she saves the day, too. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just, just wonderful. <laughs> And oh. yeah, that's 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 it. that's I think that's all we got. What a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, they're like, okay, take them away, even though the the um, what is it, Altidians should just be able to blow up the Enterprise at this point. Right. No one, no one really uh, takes that much alacrity with the situation. Just throw them in the brig, <laughs> disarm them. <laughs> when naturally it would be like, all right, you beam us down, or we're gonna blow up this entire ship and. That's, right, that's like a whole episode's worth of conflict right there. It is. It is. Uh, it's really. I was gonna say sad, but I also don't really care about the Altidians either. It's just everything in this episode was just so thoroughly uninteresting. Yeah. Very offensive. Waste of my time. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, do you have any any further final thoughts on this? Um. Not really. I, I, it's a very clearly a terrible episode, but I don't. We we've kind of hit every reason why, and um, just to put my stamp on it, I think this, this is probably a bottom five episode so far. Wow, bottom five. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, I don't know if it's bottom five for me, but it's definitely terrible. However, I would still recommend people watch it. Come on, just to see. Just to see, just to see how terrible it can get. Uh, if if you uh, have any kind of morbid curiosity about that, I think it's worth it. Let me let me ask a quick question. What are your thoughts on the Antidian makeup design, all that costume? Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's just it's god awful. It's the worst thing we've seen since that um, that episode with the two delegates, where it was like dog people and lizards. <laughs> The, the the clothing in particular, just the, these long cylinder yeah. streamers. Yeah. It's no, it's it's awful. It's really really terrible, and and I I guess that's kind of a thing that that TNG always had a problem with, where it's like if you're not dealing with an alien species that is um incredibly humanoid. Mm. You know, where the only difference is like maybe like a lump on the nose or whatever. They tend to look pretty bad. They do. Which I, I, I guess is one strength of later Trek um, yeah. productions. Even yeah. even to the current day when they're mostly terrible, it's uh, the leaps forward in costuming and makeup is uh, is real. Yeah. Absolutely, and it's it's it is it is kind of a shame because I mean I guess a lot of it's in retrospect. I think even at the time it was pretty bad, but 
Um, a lot of it is in retrospect, and it's kind of taking the standards from all these shows that that Trek and TNG itself really inspired. But so many shows came after it, not very long after it, that had much better alien designs, uh, mm. much more consistently good-looking uh, monster of the week type aliens, even. So, um, I, I yeah, think, I uh, uh, I think my favorite is Darmok. Where to sidestep yeah. this issue, we we made the um, antagonist monster invisible. Yeah, that that was. I was actually just thinking about that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the um actual aliens on display in that episode were actually decent looking, though. Yeah, but the... again, it was kind of an issue of just like it was kind of low effort, really. Yeah, well, the aliens in that one are also just very humanoid with right. different faces. Right, right. But they they did end up looking good. Yeah. Um. All right. So yeah, I guess I guess that's it. Uh, for our <clears throat> review of this episode. So I'll move into uh, my my trivia for you. I'm I'm this week. very excited for the proper return of the trivia. And this is one that. We could have really done it any time, and I'm surprised that I didn't ever think to ask you this. But at one point, Wesley Crusher was considered... The character was considered... I don't want to phrase this. At one point, Wesley Crusher was actually going to be a girl. Okay. Uh, someone... someone West I don't know she. who... Someone came up to Gene. They were like, "Why don't we make Wesley a girl? Because we we don't have we don't really have that mm. in sci-fi. Like you know, uh, young female adolescent problems, that kind of thing." My question to you is, what was her name? Well, I already proposed Wes She. Which... It's not Wes She. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still don't... crush her, mind you. Still crush her. Okay, so. I, I don't know why, but the name Alex is jumping out to me. Okay. Um, what is what is Beverly's Doctor Crusher's name? Okay. Uh, now it might be this was initially a W name, and uh, let's keep W. Let's go to Wesley. Could be like Winona. Uh, but that's probably not it. Hey, God, I'm really stuck on Alex. This, this might have to be my guess. I'll, I'll give you a couple guesses here. You okay. want to guess Alex? Because yeah. that's not it. So <laughs> think, think much simpler. Think something you would say. For a name? For, for the name of Wesley Crusher's female counterpart. Just think simple. Think very simple. It's not almost West, almost it? to the point of parody. No. Uh... I, I'm totally not on the same wavelength as you right now. Uh, yeah, you might not be, but w once you hear it, you're going to be like, "How did I not guess that?" That's the thing. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll chance one more guess. All right. Um, let's see. Yes. 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 Lee. <laughs> Lee. I don't know. You're you're close. Ashley. That's really close, but no. What is it? Even more, even more of a rhyme. Wesley 
I, I'm no, no, it's Leslie Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Crusher. That is that is beyond parody. <laughs> like if you if you opened your Mirror Universe comic, and oh here's Leslie Crusher, you would like throw it across the room. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, they they really wanted it to rhyme, huh? Like they they came up with the name Wesley, and they're like, I just love the sound of that. God knows why. Uh, Unfortunately, that, that that never never came to pass, or else we might have actually gotten a good character and a hot fifteen year old on the show. That is what we needed. Um, now I am intrigued I by so. this because I think the adolescent young teenage boy tagging along in sci fi is is pretty that well's been been gone to quite often. Yeah, but yeah. switching the genders is unique. Yeah, they were right. With that idea. Yeah, I think I think I think whoever came up with that idea was absolutely correct, and it would have been a much better character who might have actually lasted, even mm. because um, Wesley sure did you, not. Wesley did not, and and you almost you you want to see like a, a young girl succeed, you know? Mm. I think just kind of it's kind of well, inherent he, to the nature of human just, beings. You, that you just like, want to see a young girl succeed. I sh- <laughs> oh, oh man that's gonna be it for today everyone <laughs> quick shout out to our sponsors uh denny's now serving the grand slam and uh pet boys home of the two minute oil change Joins <laughs> everything for less join us next time on the readier room when we dive into an even less interesting episode of star trek the next generation and until then everybody please stay readier the troublesome little man child consider that in the history of many worlds there have always been disposable creatures Beginning, 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 beginning.